Modern Inc. Podcast number 9, Yellowbeard. Today we talk about the pricing of Windows 7, the Cooler Master V10 Tech Cooler, and we talk to Mike from Corsair. Oh, I'm just going to have to actually go put some clothes on. <laughs> uh, I'm still recording, so you better watch it. Uh, I come out of the shower for the meeting. Hi, this is Dwayne from Modern Inc. And today, we've got a couple guys on the panel with a special guest. First, we'll start off with our, with our two regular guys. We've got Tony. Hey. And we've got Vic. What's up? And we've got a special guest that I mentioned earlier, and it is Mike from Corsair. He will be joining us through the podcast. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. Um, some of your audience may uh, actually know me better as Yellowbeard, especially if they uh, surf Internet forums. So, uh, again, thanks for having me. Hey, not a problem. We're, we're really appreciative that you came and spent some time with us. Everybody, towards the end of the show, we're going to talk to Mike about some of the products that they have out and one that's going to be coming out, which we know is the case, Obsidian. We have talked about a couple of the Corsair products in the last couple of podcasts, and we decided that um, if we could get a hold of somebody, which we happen to know Mike, we could actually get firsthand information about these products. But what we're going to do now is jump right into um, a little information about the, the website. Coming up, it's kind of a hush little thing here, so you're getting inside scoop. There is going to be a major competition on Modders Inc. Uh, there's going to be some of the top modders doing some mods, and it's going to be a, a couple of month competition. There's not really too much we can say right now. You'll know probably, I think it's July 13th. All the information will come out. But let me tell you this get your ideas ready for a mod. Think of some good stuff of how to create a mod and what kind of mod you'd like to see, and you'll see why. Yeah, this is, this is going to be a unique. Contest. It's it's something that not too many people have tried doing, and I think it's really going to be something that the community likes. Absolutely, it's it's going to involve five of the, the top elite modders. Cool. So people need to get their creative juices flowing. Absolutely. Not only does the modder win, but also the people who have the ideas win. So that's about all we can say about that one right now. But check back on the site, and we'll give you the information. It's going to be great. It's going to be going to be a lot of fun. What most people are talking about this week, I think, is the pricing of Windows. What do you guys think about the new pricing schedule coming out? I mean, right now they're, they've got a pre-sale, I guess, that you can get, um, what, 50 bucks and 100 bucks. Do you pay for that for, for the upgrade? Yeah, that's for the home premium and the professional, right? Right. I think there's – I think you can get the upgrade for the ultimate, but it's like 219 Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But, but I don't think you can get that now, though. I think right now you can only get the uh, the premium and the professional from Microsoft's website. Correct. Yeah, that's all they're showing. Now, why can't, if that's special pricing, why can't they sell it at that price regularly? But now the special pricing is just for the upgrade. Just for the upgrade. And yeah. it goes up to um, $120. I mean, if, if they right. sell it right now for forty nine ninety nine, why not keep it at that price and let people upgrade it? I mean, if you keep the prices lower, you're going to have less piracy. Oh, yeah. absolutely. And, and, I mean, even even though that this is a you know, like a promotional value, it's, you know, it, it's going to, sure, they'll, they'll probably get a pretty good, Hit off of it, but uh, you know a lot of like Vic, you know, like Vic said, a lot of people don't like doing upgrades. They'd much rather go for a full version and not have to worry about it down the road. I'd like to see them drop the full versions down like that. And, oh, absolutely. I mean, and, and keep them keep them reasonable. Yeah, I'm looking right now because uh, I have the the ultimate version. If I want to buy if I want to buy it the full version, it's going to cost me three hundred and twenty dollars. Yeah. And to me, that's a little freaking outrageous for that price. Well, it's not too far off from what Vista was, is it? Yeah, I but that's mean, what I'm saying. I mean, come on. I mean, if they dropped it to 150 bucks, 200 bucks, kept it there, that's not bad. I think for the ultimate. Well, that's what, that's what I mean, though. See, it, it's Vista to me was too high. Oh, absolutely. You know, well, and, and I think even XP was too high back in the day. Yeah. Well, you I, know, another thing to consider too is. Um, and I, I don't know the percentages of um, what types of customers you know constitute Microsoft's customer base, but um, if you look at corporate America too, where uh, you know their IT departments have to examine upgrades, where they're upgrading hundreds or thousands or even some companies you know tens of thousands of computers, just the the task of that upgrade, never mind the cost, is astronomical. And so many of those companies, I would bet you, are still largely XP. Vista, you know, did not get adopted as quickly, I think, as uh, Microsoft had hoped it would. So. I'm wondering what they're going to do differently this time to entice people to go to Windows 7 because a lot of people are still wondering if they should even go to Vista. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're still at Vista where I work at, and we've probably got, oh, gosh, hundreds and hundreds of computers at the site. And it's, it's for the reason of what was the cost 
in the original uh, problems with Vista. And I know a lot of the IT departments just said, screw it, we don't want to deal with that problems. But, yeah, you're, you're absolutely correct. But I'm guessing that uh, they're going to get some kind of outrageous uh, deals, you know, for the licensings for these, just to make sure that these go into the, the business areas, because that's where they make their money. Well, I know um, Fluff, you know, he, he's like from, he works from Lockheed there, and uh, he told me when they recently, you know, upgraded all their computer system, that they stuck with XP. Yeah, it's it's reliable, and they don't have to redo it. Now, this is a company, though, that's government contracted. I mean, whew, that's telling you something right there. They don't even trust them. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I don't know that it's necessarily a trust issue, more so. Well, than I, just, know, I know, I know. I'm just just picking up. And be careful, guys. They may be listening, by the way. Yeah, uh, I'll probably end up getting it for it. <laughs> but I, I still think that um, the pricing is still whacked out. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I think, what is it? Um, uh, I'm not an Apple guy, but from what I understand, the last upgrade was like 100 and what, 30 bucks, I think. And it's usually about that price for their upgrades. Yeah. So why, why can't Windows do that? Definitely, people would buy it for fifty bucks. I'm sure they're going to sell a lot of copies. Copies, hundred bucks for home premium, which I kind of hear is a little bit above basic, eh, maybe. But when you're getting into the two hundred dollar range, come on. Well, if you look at the uh, the difference between the the versions, um, home premium gives you the the basic five versions, which comes with all three. The bumping from home up to professional, you'll pick up um, existing Windows XP productivity applications in Windows 7, um, connect company networks easily and securely with domain join, and recover your data easily with automatic backup to your home and business network. Jumping from there to your ultimate, they list two, and that's uh, help protect your data on your PC and portable storage device against loss or theft with BitLocker. You've got the availability to go between 35 different languages. I only speak one. Yeah, me too. So I mean, it, and this is this is something that that was mentioned to me this morning because I made that exact comment when I normally use Ultimate to have the full blown setup, and he's like, "Why waste the extra 40 bucks?" True, and if you remember right, uh, remember that uh, Windows Vista Ultimate was supposed to have all these extra features and stuff that you were going to be able to download, and you're going to get all these this great crap. Whatever happened to that? Well, Vista did have some ultimate upgrades that, but oh, it's basically ooh, a, new, a new Dreamscapes theme <laughs> or something. Ooh, yeah, you yeah, summed it up in one me... word: crap. But nothing, yeah. you know, wasn't nothing to, to benefit anybody of any value, put it that way. Okay, just 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 take for instance, you've got home premium. Okay, now from home premium, how many of those five extra things will you use? Just I mean, you know. Uh, run many existing Windows XP predict productivity applications. Um, they should order include that to begin with. You're right. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I'm looking at the comparison. I would probably go to the professional. Uh, I think home premium is much better than it was last time. They've added more, I think, features to it. But I think the professional, the ultimate, I just felt that uh, people who who bought it last time just got screwed. There really wasn't that much of a reason to to call it ultimate. Right. It was it was professional, and then what what was ultimate about it was the ultimate pricing of it. Yeah. So professional uh, looking at yeah, I mean, like you said, you know, run many XP programs in in XP mode or whatever. That should be in every version, even in the starter version. That should be just just a gimme on that. But that's that's my feelings about that. I don't know what what everybody else thinks. I think um, eventually everybody's getting screwed anyway. But. Yeah, I'll probably do like I always do. I'll run it or not run it for a while and just let them work the bugs out of it. And then when the prices come down a little bit, and then I'll think about it. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I'll win a copy. Be <laughs> <laughs> like my Vista Ultimate that's sitting in the sitting on the shelf over there, ain't been touched since last August. We'll jump over to our software pick, and this week it was Vic, and he got a pick. And what's, what's the pick? PC Wizard 2008, currently 2008. Um, they do have a beta version coming up soon, the 2009 version, but right now they're still on the 08 version of PC Wizard. Now, to me, PC Wizard is a really, really neat program to have for really anybody, especially if you're interested in knowing what's inside your computer. I mean, this thing's going to tell you more things than you want to know about your computer. It, uh, anything from your motherboard to how hot it's running, okay? I mean, it's going to tell you all of that. And to me, it's a free program. Well, it's free to anybody, okay? But it's a free program that's as close to, and I'm going to get slammed about this, I'm sure, but as close to Everest as you can get for free. And, you know, what else can you want? I mean, you know, you can also, it even does some uh, benchmarks. So, I mean, it's a pretty good program. 
Now, this is the same people that makes the other popular software that everybody yes. uses, which is CPU-Z, That's correct? correct. So you just go to, you know, CPUID.com, and, you know, they've got several great programs there. Correct, and they're all free. Right, exactly. I mean, of course, you know, if you want to donate, that'd be a great thing. If you do look at the site, you're going to see a list that's actually, a, wow, goes, goes the full page yeah. of things that it can do. And like you said, the benchmarking, uh, I know a lot of people, like, like Vic said, love to do the benchmarking. You can do the processor, your L2 cache, your memory, your hard drives, your CD-ROM, DVROMs, DirectX 3, video, removable and flash drive support, MP3 compression, and Vista and Experience Index. That's just it's just the benchmarking parts, and all the information that you can get is probably more than more than you can use, and maybe even some stuff you don't even know about. And it's in nine languages. I mean, come on, you got to be in one of them. <laughs> <laughs> is it in redneck? Um, that's not actually a language. Oh. <laughs> that's a way of life, uh, uh. Um, dialect. <laughs> but um, hey, this redneck could read it. <laughs> then it's for me. I'm I'm right with you, man. We're going to jump back onto the site. Uh, this time we're going to do a little bit uh, of hardware. And I think the most current one we have on the site is the Cooler Master V10 Hybrid TEC Cooler. And Tony was the one who did the review on that. Explained um, his likes or dislikes, which I think were probably more on the dislike side. Well, it, it all depends on, on what you're planning on doing with your processor and how, how hard you're planning on pushing it. The, uh, the first thing that, that has to be said about the Cooler Master V10 is the thing is humongous. You don't have a big case, don't plan on buying it because it, it will be a tight fit. The uh, dimensions of this are 236.5 millimeters long by 129.6 millimeters wide by 161.3 millimeters tall. Now that is, uh, if, if anybody remembers back in the uh, Gemin 2 days for Cooler Master, that's another one of the large coolers they had. Uh, I don't know where they're, they're going with these large coolers, but man, there's got to be, uh, got to be a pretty good case to, to be able to handle it. That, that, I'm sorry, that huge size though, does that also extend over the memory? Yes, and it, and believe it or not, it will actually work with the, uh, Dominator style memory, uh, or the, the Patriot Vipers. Um, I don't think it'll work with like the OCZ Reapers because they got that extra little heat pipe up top. But it looks like to me the the fan part that's over the memory would actually cool the memory, does it? Oh yeah, yeah. It, it provides some cooling, and for the DDR2 stuff, yeah, you definitely you know, it's definitely a positive thing. Get into some of the DDR3 rigs, as as we'll hear a little later on. You know, heat's not really quite as much of an issue because you don't have the high voltage. But uh, yeah. you know, clearance-wise, as far as on the hardware end of it goes. I didn't uh, have any issues with that on my UVGA board. Um, the the probably the, the biggest problem I ran into was actually being able to mount my motherboard once I installed the cooler. The cooler comes with two little push pans for your two of your upper three screws on the motherboard, and pretty much you probably want to look at a case that's got a CPU backplate access hole, so you can actually leave the motherboard in and install the cooler with the motherboard still oh, mounted. That's a must. The, uh, I mean, you, if, if you got the right case, you can actually get a nice long screwdriver, a real skinny one, and, and fish those top screws in. But with the weight of that thing, you see, it comes in at 1,200 grams. I wouldn't want to wouldn't want to trust it to a couple of push pans, by no means. And especially if you plan, yeah, if you plan on going to lands or anything with this thing in it, you definitely don't want to look yeah, at that. Yeah, I mean, the size of yeah. it, like the weight you just said, does it come with a support bracket to hold it up from the bottom of the case, or does your case want to flip over? No, <laughs> because of the weight. <laughs> no, not. I, I tested it in the Cooler Master Cosmos S, and I, I, I chose that case because I knew it'd be a little bit of a challenge. Well, it was a lot more of a challenge than I thought it would be. But you know, I did manage to get it in, and, and just barely had enough clearance to clear the, uh, the side panels support bracket or mounting bracket. But uh, I don't know. Probably the biggest thing um, with the cooler is the the way they did the tech mounting. Um, most people know with tech coolers for you know the air assisted tech coolers that they're normally mounted straight at the CPU. With the uh, V10, they've got it mounted off to the side and using it pretty much as a supplemental cooling. I don't know. You know, once once we get into the numbers here, we'll see what I'm... I'm a little skeptical on it, but, you know, for the price, I think everybody's going to kind of wonder. I tested this on... I'm going to fast forward here. I tested this on my core i7-920 processor, and I used... Uh, some Patriot Vipers to show that it did, you know, it does have the clearance for some of the color memory. For the testing process, I actually went through six different settings on the on the i7. I ran it at uh, 2.66 gigahertz, which is bare stock with no turbo. Kicked the turbo on for level two, and that was 2.78 gigahertz. 
I bumped it up to 3.05, 3.33, 3.6, and then again at 3.87. And sitting there, you know, running through all the tests for that, doing, I think I ended up with three different installs on this just to make sure I got seated properly and, and had a good average for my numbers. The tech did pretty good all the way, uh, all the way up until you hit 3.6 gigahertz, or all the way up to 3.6 gigahertz. I gained anywhere, I see at 3.6 I was pulling in, core 1 was pulling in 69, core 2 was 69, core 3 was 67, and core 4 was 67. Whereas my comparable air coolers was pushing 72s and 71s and a few 70s. But uh, what kind of baffled me was as, as soon as I hit 3.87 gigahertz, it just tanked. The, the V10 tanked big time on me. I was, I was easily pegging 88 loads and... I probably could have even ran it longer and, and, and got it higher than that if I wanted to. So it definitely sounds like it's not made for the serious overclocker, but if you're going to definitely bump up your, your CPU a little bit, um, it's, it's going to be decent, but it's not for overclockers, for the serious overclockers in at all, even though it looks like that's probably what it would be for. Yeah, um, like I said, you know, the the cooler, I mean, any time you throw a tech on a, on a cooler, you, you're almost stating up front without even saying a thing that it's meant to handle a little more than what your stock setup is going to handle. Right. And, and that's my first impression. Um, one thing that I, I, I still say to this day, I don't know why, but I think my i7-920 runs hotter than anybody else's out there because I, I, out of, you know, like 20 friggin' comparisons that I looked at, mine only had one other system out there that, that was comparably close temperature-wise. Everybody else was running, you know, 5, 6 degrees cooler. So I don't know if maybe, maybe I'm just running a little too hot or if the, uh, you know, if that was its limit. Yeah. I, you know, I've got the V8 cooler on mine, and I have the Core i7, almost the same setup Taz has, you know, with the EVGA board. Um, and, you know, I use the V8, and um, my idle temps are like 36, 36. It idle right now, 36, 36, 37, 36. And I'm at 3.8 overclock, and oh, that's wow. not using turbo. Okay, that's no turbo. That's all BIOS. Um, so what did that one idle at, at 3.8? At 3.8, I pulled in 35 to 37 right in there. The so V10, the idle was about V10. the same. Yeah, 35 to 31 on the V10. Then, like, the, the Fenrir, which is what I used for comparison, was 37 and 35. And then the the uh, little brother, the CM in 520, that one came in at, like, 36 and 34. But, see, I mean, my max load temps on mine um, was like 72 was the highest. Oh, I can, I, Vic, I can easily break 100 depending on what cooler I got installed. Well, I'm I mean, talking like, about, I'm talking about with the V10. What, what was your highest load temps at, at, at the 3.8? 88. So that's about what 16 degrees hotter than 16 Celsius more than what I was running. Well, you also got to take into consideration here. We're comparing two different systems. Um, you just rattled off your idle champs. I'm running harder than you right now, and I'm only running at 3 gigahertz. The uh, I'm running 38 to 42 across my four cores right now. And, uh, so, I mean, your, your ambient room temp and everything is going to come, come into play there. I, I mean, and if you look at all my charts, I, I, I go through and show you what my ambient temps were when I took the recordings, and I was running 69 to 70 degrees Fahrenheit. But, uh, you know, it's just a matter of, uh, like I said, I, I think my i7 runs a little hotter than everybody else's. But, you know, if, if you're not looking to push 3.8, 4 gigahertz on an i7-920, the V10 might be great for you. You know, if you drop, you know, want to go up to 3.6, which is still a pretty good, you know, pretty good overclock. It's 35%. Still a good cooler, though. I mean, it's just not probably the best for overclocking. Right. You know, you, you talk about the size, and to me, you know, with the V8, I kind of liken it as like a sports car. Just from looking at it, like a hot rod engine out of a sports car. But then I look at the uh, V10, and the first thing that comes to my mind, for some reason or another, is is, is like Optimus Prime. <laughs> you know, a uh, big rig. That's what it looks like. I mean, it just that's what comes to my mind. I'm looking for the trailer. Yeah, yeah it just it looks oversized for what it's what it's supposed to do. Uh, you know, cool your CPU. Right. But it's also cool in the memory. But um, I don't know. I, too bad. It looks like it had a lot of potential, but it sounds like it's not much better than the V8, which is a little smaller and cheaper, if I'm not mistaken. Well, I think the V8 is a great cooler. Ooh, I, yeah. I love it. 
Well, you know, let's get Mike into this conversation here because uh, over at Corsair, since we're talking about a, a, a tech cooling, they've actually got a tech cooling system set up for memory. And if I'm not mistaken, it's the uh, Corsair Cooling Ice T30. Is that right, Mike? Yes, that's the uh, the right uh, model name there, Ice T30, Subambient Cooling System. So what is the whole purpose of this this device? What is it supposed to do? The, the really cool thing that it can do, uh, no pun intended, is to uh, cool your memory up to and right at uh, 20 degrees, let me verify, uh, Fahrenheit or Celsius, um, below, this 20 degrees Celsius below your ambient temperature. And the reason we say ambient there, that's important because once you go much more than about 20 degrees below your ambient room temp, you're uh, setting yourself up for uh, potential condensation. So um, right. we've actually designed a, a controller circuit to help limit the uh, cooling to 20 degrees below ambient temp. Oh, so it sits there and modulates it. And if it, yes. if it starts going below the 20 degrees, it, it'll actually back off on the cooling? Yes, it um, it does it through uh, controlling the uh, amount of power going to the tech. Oh, well, Being a yeah, Georgia boy like you are, um, Mike, I'm just wondering uh, what kind of results you had as far as humidity. You know, we got a high humidity. Um, condensation with our humidity. So far, it's great. Um, I'm actually looking at a, a weather report page today. It's a, a balmy 95 degrees here in Georgia with uh, 31% humidity. Um, additionally, um, my testing area is in a, um, a basement, so I've got all sorts of potential for condensation. And um, with the controller circuit, it has not been an issue at all. Okay. Wow, that's really nice. Now, I notice it's also got water cooling. I'm guessing that's because of the, of the, the TAC. It's got to be able to remove the heat from that portion of it, correct? Yes. One interesting thing is um, the, this whole cooling system is a, a natural progression of our um, dominator DHX cooling for our memory. Basically, what, what DHX brought to the table was um, additional cooling on the inside of your memory where the, um, the ICs are actually bonded to the backplane on the uh, printed circuit board. If I'm remembering my percentages correctly, you actually lose about 60% of the heat generated in a memory IC out of that backplane, not through the uh, the front of the uh, IC there. So what we did was extrude that backplane with some extra copper out the top, and you know we're getting more efficient cooling there. And then we improved the uh, outer heat sink to complement that. And um, there's a bit more information on our website under uh, application note AN602 for those of you that want to read up on that more. So the natural progression there was to improve our first generation of DHX with uh, DHX2. Um, what that brought to the table was the uh, the top heat sink on the uh, DHX um, memory modules now is removable. The, uh, there's three Allen-headed screws there that come off, and that's how you bond the uh, either version of our memory cooler there to it. We have a um, H30, which is just the water block for cooling the top of the memory, and then we take it a step farther with the uh, T30, which adds the tech into the mix. So... Um, Right. It's a, Like I said, it's a natural progression. Once we started extracting more heat from the memory with DHX technology, we thought, well, what can we do with that heat? How can we remove it better? So we went with water. And then, of course, you know, not, not being satisfied and, you know, all of the uh, mad scientists that we have running around in our lab, somebody said, well, hey, let's put a tech on there. So somebody brought up the uh, condensation point. So, well, we can fix that too. So we uh, came up with the controller circuit to monitor the humidity and prevent the condensation. So there you go. So the control circuit probably looks like it mounts into a empty hard drive bay. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Now, removing it with the water, the heat with the water, you're basically going to already have to have a setup made for water cooling, or do you also going to have available if somebody just wanted to buy this product to have the water cooling set up too? You can buy our uh, Nautilus cooling system to go with it if you just want a very simple, almost plug-and-play setup for it, or it will integrate into an existing uh, water cooling loop easily. Ah, nice. What size, nice. Of, what size are the barbs? Uh, 3.8's ID. Okay, do you plan to offer optional barbs for the guys that run the half inch? We're looking into that. Um, I don't know. Uh, a lot of people don't like the idea of a tubing adapter there. And, um, you know, the, uh, the perception is that we didn't think about water cooling enough or that we didn't think about our customers with half inch. It just made sense because of our existing equipment that we have and what we thought was the majority of water cooling users using 3.8's ID tubing. Get the right. first one out there with 3.8's and see how it does. If there's demand... By all means, we want customers to have, you know, the best selection, so we'll move on to half-inch or whatever we need to do from there. But, you know, this is our, our first foray into this type of product, so it's it's sort of our, our barometer for the future. Right. Now, this is made just specifically for Corsair memory. I mean, somebody couldn't take this and put it onto another set of memory, right? 
it would take some uh, some ghetto engineering to uh, put it onto another uh, kit of memory, and I, I certainly won't go on record as saying it can't be done because there's a lot of creative guys out there. But um, it's actually engineered to bolt right to the top of our existing DHX2 uh, heat sinks. Right. So the right thing to do is make sure that you've got the right memory, which is, would, of course, be the Corsair memory, and it would mount directly to it, and you're not going to have any issues. I mean, it's it's designed to work together. Correct. The really flexible thing is, too, I don't know if, it, if you can really gather this from the picture, but if you'll notice, the, uh, the top mounting screws that actually attach the memory to the cooler setup there have a lateral movement side to side to adjust for the um, various um, memory slot spacings on different motherboards. So, you know, we've, we right. included that in the design, too, because if you had a rigid mounting system, you know, good gosh, the, the amount of different motherboard patterns there are out there, you know, you'd have to make 50 different coolers. So. Yeah. So you can put... What, um, one module, two modules, three modules, up to six modules? Yes, to up it? to six. Sweet. Now, is there a way to control the temperature, or does it automatically just go to 20 degrees? It's pretty ambient? much automatic at, at 20 below ambient, and that's going to vary depending on your relative humidity in your environment. Um, I've talked to some people that had the, uh, the original samples of this that used them in very, very low humidity environments. Uh, one guy was in um, Las Vegas, Nevada, and he had such low humidity during their winter that he didn't even need the controller circuit. But um, that's an extreme case, and uh, he also... I'm thinking the same thing. I'm in Arizona, so like right now it's it's 80, 18% right. humidity. So I probably wouldn't have to worry too much about that. Well, one cool feature on this thing, and this is uh, for our extreme overclocking buddies, um, and I'm not sure exactly what they call this. It may be overdrive or something to that effect, but you can turn off the uh, humidity sensor and controller to where you can let the unit run wide open, and it will cool the memory much more than 20 degrees below um, your ambient temp. So now you're saying that you can you can turn this off. How do you turn this off? Is it software driven or is it jumper? Just or just a manual or? switch, and I believe the switch is going to be on the front of that controller. You've got a um, oh nice yeah overdrive from the, the last picture I've seen. I had it on the actual circuit board. Okay, yeah, mine is a um, a pre-production sample, so it may not look exactly like that picture there, but um, you know the, the functionality is still the same. So basically, you know, you can you know go into overdrive mode there and do your extreme overclocking. That's nice. Um, how are how are some of the overclocking guys doing with this? Have you? I'm sure they probably got to play with it. Well, I'm, I heard that you're uh, into the overclocking too. Uh, a little bit. I stay so busy with regular work, overclocking um, to um, a great degree is more of a uh, afterthought after work. You know, I have to get all the regular work done. It's, it's kind of funny. I've got all these toys at, at hand, but um, sometimes uh, my time gets taken up to where I don't get to play them, play with them as much as I'd like. But um, the the interesting thing about our Dominator GT memory, which is a memory that comes with this kit is um, our recommended voltage with that memory is 1.65 volts, but that stems from the Intel recommendation with the uh, integrated memory controller limitation as opposed to being a limit of how much voltage you can put to the memory. Um, I've had some users uh, reporting back uh, using two modules. You know, they'll buy a tri-kit with the cooler and all, but they'll use it on an AMD setup, and they can run a bit more uh, memory voltage, whether it be in a, a regular case that you're using for everyday usage or if it's on a uh, bench table, you know, a lot of times uh, users will just have a fan laying over their memory to cool it while they're uh, benchmarking or something. And um, rather than having a fan sitting there spinning, um, you can throw your little tech cooler on there, and uh, you don't have to worry about, you know, losing a finger. You know, it just it's self-maintaining right there. And we're yeah. seeing users hitting almost 2,000 megahertz at CAS 6 um, with uh, very, very low voltage. I seen what you're talking about, about laying the fan over the, the memory. When I went to the Atlanta Land Fest last year, Chris was, um, I forget his name, but his last name, but um, he had the uh, fan laying over his memory while he was liquid, you know, had the liquid nitrogen going in the other way. Kind of neat. Yeah, um, Chris is actually one of my examples. Um, during an overclocking session here at the house, he uh, had a very high RPM 120-millimeter fan laying over a set of memory and very nearly lost the end of his finger. He uh, he got a pretty nasty cut, so we joked uh, around that, hey, you know, this thing's safer than fans, so, you know. Bet y'all wish y'all had that then, huh? I'm sure he does. It wasn't my finger, but, um, you know. <laughs> You're going to watch them fans. You stick your finger in there at the yeah. wrong time, and they definitely take a hunk of skin off. Oh, exactly. And, you know, some of those uh, 120 millimeter fans, the actual fan assembly has some weight, some mass to it. So it's, uh, you know, you add a sharp edge to high RPM, it'll it'll definitely bite you pretty good. So, um, you know, that's not everybody's going to benefit from that aspect of it. Uh, you know, not, not that many people on the planet are dumb enough to, you know, do what we do, pouring liquid nitrogen on computers and sticking your fingers in fans. But um, it is a nice little feature for those. 
<laughs> yeah, it's something I definitely would not want to do. Um, I mean, I, I'm not that much in overclocking, but when you start putting the liquid nitrogen in, I, I do like my fingers, and I, and I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want them uh, to be brittle and fall off and break. <laughs> so you can you can do all you want with that. And I've seen the guys we saw it at Envision last year. Tony, remember seeing those guys sitting there doing playing with that all day, trying to break yeah. a record. And it's yeah. uh, yeah, it's not for me. But those guys can they can do as much as they want. Uh, hardware is too expensive for me to play that way. True. <laughs> Now, you know what's interesting? I, I'm certainly not disagreeing with your guys' points of view, but um, I, uh, I do a lot of forum support, so I read literally hundreds of forum posts each day that I work, and um, a lot of people just outright criticize, you know, high-end or hardcore overclocking, and they say, you know, that it's not practical, you can't use a computer to do this, or you can't use a computer to do that. And I think they lose sight of the fact that it's enthusiast computing, and uh, Vic and I have talked about it. He's, uh, he's a... Uh, car enthusiast also or has been in the past and there's really not a lot of difference in this between you know this and uh, maybe sweating under the hood of a 68 camaro or something on the weekends right you know and you wouldn't want to take that 68 camaro with a 500 horsepower alcohol burning motor you know to deliver the mail or to you know go pick up groceries all the time but i mean it does have its place and it is a lot of fun so you know i tell people that you know computers aren't just tools for everybody it's a lot of people's hobby it's a very fun hobby and that's why we make the products that we do because if you're going to use an alcohol burning motor to deliver mail you know you're also the kind of guy that probably wants your uh, new core i7 or your new uh Phenom 2 processor you know to overclock 50 or 100% and you want the you know some good memory to go along with that so yeah and and you also got to stop and look at you know if it wasn't for these hardcore overclockers out there pushing the limits on everything they got you know if where would the, the companies be pushing their limits, you know? If if, if we're going to all be happy with 2 gigahertz, why try for 3? Well, if the hardcore overclocker can go out there and punch it up and squeeze every last megahertz out of it, right. that's just going to fuel the market that much more. Exactly. You know, I mean, that's, that's our bread and butter. You know, we, we love our enthusiasts. Every market is driven by the enthusiast. Exactly. Why do you think the video cards are going as fast as they go? Do you really need all that stuff? The memory, the hard drives, the cases? And not just in our in our hobby. Well, you know, at times I see the same type of criticism on case aesthetics and case modding, and you know that that's a new area we're moving into as cases. But I mean, you guys are the experts there. I mean, is there a practical value to case lighting? And eh, maybe, maybe not. But is it fun? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, a lot of people don't want you know an old school like 1989 beige looking flat box on the side of their desk. You know, I mean, it's um, absolutely. You know, but. But people take a lot of criticism for doing, you know, the kind of things you guys do, and I, I think it's great. I think it's really cool. I've seen some of Vic's work firsthand. I saw the uh, the green Envision case you guys came up with last year. Um, I love it. So you know, yeah, it's, it's you can like I said any any hobby is that way. You know, even the audio guys, they've got you know maybe twenty thousand dollars worth of audio equipment. To me, it probably sounds the same as a hundred and fifty dollars system. Or one of the guys got you know twenty two inch rims on his car. <laughs> you know why? Why? What's what's the deal with that? But it's what you like, and it's what you're you're into, and that's uh, your your hobby, and and you like it. Yeah, it's a, it's a form of self-expression. Yeah. Exactly. Hey, compute, computers are the new straight rod. What can I tell you? I think the affordable one. We've talked about this probably before. Is <laughs> yeah, is exactly is the affordable thing that a kid can do. Well, except for sticking your fingers into a fan, it's probably a lot safer too. You know, five hundred horsepower will get you in trouble pretty quick. So. Right, but you can spend, let's say. A few hundred bucks, and you can have this crazy ass looking super fast PC. Nowadays, trying to go out and just buy a junk piece of car. Oh, yeah. I mean, we know. I mean, when we were growing up, you go out and you buy a five $600 car and you, you did all your stuff to it. Just buying a piece of crap car nowadays is three, four, five thousand grand, you know, and, and it's, it's, and they, they can't do it. So they're, they've got to buy that, and if they're lucky, maybe they can put something into it, but they can definitely, you know, soup up their. PC with a faster memory or faster processor or doing the overclocking and, and, and do that aspect of it and still get that kind of feeling and rush that people do when, when you build cars or, or other extreme hobbies. Oh, yeah. I, I agree 100%. I mean, you talk about extreme hobbies. I love top fuel drag racing, and that's what I equate the, the highest end of overclocking you to. You know, those things will always stay together for a few minutes. You know, yep. Some guys are doing the same thing with the computer. It's a suicide run. But they're going somewhere no one has ever gone before, right. and it's really interesting to see you know all the really intelligent people out there, really putting their best effort into uh, taking computing to the next level, whether it be on performance or you know like what you guys are promoting on your site there, the modding and the self-expression, you know, and the the way to make yours even that much 
better looking or that much cooler than the next guy. So. Yeah. So let's move on to um, your new adventure that you've got going on is kind of kind of out of the blue, I thought, was a case. What, what brought this on? I mean, just uh, an adventure into a new market, you think? Well, definitely. We uh, we don't want to be a stagnant company. We don't want to um, just get by or, you know, to, to to stay the same size year after year and be comfortable. We're, we're definitely about, you know, we think we bring um, a really good, solid, enthusiast-based foundation to the computing world. And we've, we thought about it, and we thought that we could make a case that would be the equivalent, you know, level of quality and performance and value for our customers, as, just like our memory, just like our power supplies. Just like our flash drives and our other products, you know, it's um, you know, our cooling products, we wanted to uh, look into something and make sure we could do it, you know, at a level that we thought represented Corsair, you know, where we could um, improve it or you know, really make our mark on the industry. And I think we've done that yeah, with our first case. Do. I mean, especially coming out and having the quality, the craftsmanship, and the forethought on your first case. Some people come out of blocks kind of stumbling. But it looks like you guys have taken a, a lot of the great stuff that, that's out there and used it and then tweaked it for your own design and your own uh, setup. Oh, exactly. There's been, um, I, I shudder to think how many hours we've actually put into this case overall. And I mean, there was quite a bit, obviously, before we ever pulled the trigger, you know, and, you know, had uh, drawings made and then requested a sample from our potential OEMs, you know. But um, what's interesting about cases, and once again, to you guys, I'm preaching to the choir here, um, cases are different from the other products that we offer in that, you know, there's a much more subjective opinion of quality or functionality or value. Now, you know, with, with a set of memory, we can give you a list of specifications as long as your arm. Power supply is the same way. We can show you specs all day long, and we guarantee our products to hit those specs. But cases are going to vary literally from person to person. You know, one person may like the color, the next guy doesn't. One guy likes the door, the next guy doesn't, you know. And um, what we've done is we've put an incredible amount of thought into this first case, trying to present to our customers the very best enthusiast case we can make. So that, that's why we've integrated the features that we have and in the, you know, the, use the methods that we have to develop them and, you know, a lot of internal testing and things like that. There will never be a perfect case, I don't think, but we're trying to hit as close to perfect as we can on an enthusiast case this first time I mean, out. So. probably did a, a great first effort. We brought up in the last, I think, uh, podcast with Bill was the, uh, the grommets used for running the wires. Well, you know, it's actually cool about that, and I I didn't realize just how neat that was going to be until I got a, a tooling sample here. I have a, a sample sitting on a table directly in front of me as we speak, but it's almost, I don't, I don't want to say impossible because that's not a good word to use, but um, it's very difficult to have bad um, cable management in this case because of the grommets and because of the placements of the, um, the hard drive mounting areas. Um, you really, you would really have to work to do bad cable routing in this thing, you know, because of the location and the convenience of the grommets that we've got in there. And that's good for me because I get impatient with cable management. I just start grabbing zip ties and, you know, more zip ties right. means better cable management for me. <laughs> so, you know, grommets are a savior for me. But I mean, you're, you're not like you spend two or three hours doing cable management alone? I probably spent two or three hours in the whole year of 2008 doing cable management, so... <laughs> Um, all combined, so you know it's a like I said, it's a savior for guys like me. I I like for my case to look good, but it's only so important. After a certain point, I want to slap the side panel on it and go throw grenades at somebody. You know, <laughs> right? You know, one thing I noticed about the case, we're talking about some people like this, some people don't like that. Um, on the uh, side panel, the window the side panel, what I thought was neat was the way that y'all actually cut the window. Um, I don't know if people have actually paid much of attention, but it sort of looks like the top sail on a uh, Corsair ship, you know, in the front, curved over like that. Yep, that that design angle was um, played into the, the curve of the uh, sails on our logo. That was definitely yeah. intentional. I thought it was. I just had to, <laughs> had to bring it up, though. I, th- I think it's kind of neat. You know, the, um, after using this thing, too, I hadn't actually read up ahead on our specs that much until I actually got this case. Then I went back and reread because, um, you know, I knew they were subject to change to a point, so I didn't want to get a bunch of ideas etched in my head until I actually had one in my hand. And one of the coolest things so far is our hard drive mounting. Um, we have a, uh, a power and uh, signal cable backplane on the back of the um, hard drives. Once you mount a hard drive in the case, and this is uh, true for both uh, your regular rotational hard drives and the smaller SSDs, you simply plug it in, and it's plugged in. You've got power, and you've got your uh, serial ATA cable already in place. Yeah, that's sweet. I love that. And, man, yeah. it is so cool, it's, especially with some of the work I've already been doing with this case, just switching drives out. It's, it's, it's yeah. so convenient. 
Yeah, yeah, but I don't know if you can actually do hot swapping, can you, with that? Or it, yes, that? it will hot swap if your motherboard and drive both support hot swapping. Right, sweet. Ooh. Yeah, I'm looking at that, and it's right out through the front. You pop open the little door, and I think you want a little lever, you release it, and you slide the drive right out. Yep. Literally, probably, what, 10 seconds or less? Um, if you've already, um, let's say you had an empty uh, hard drive cage in your hand, and then you put a hard drive in it, open the door, lever out, New cage in, yeah, 10, 15 seconds at the most. You know, I mean, obviously, if you had to take a drive out, you know, pull a dead drive out, put, you know, a new drive in, four screws, that sort of thing, even for me, that might only raise it, you know, to one or two minutes. So. Yeah. Now, is that on every bay? Um, the four primary hard drive bays right in the center of the case have that. Um, I know I just, uh, go ahead. The reason I was asking is because I, I just done a case um, review where it had one of those in it. And I'm, I'm sitting there like, oh, jeez, man, why can't it have, you know, three or four up through there, have all those in that bank there up through there, you know. It had been a whole lot simpler, but it was only just one for heart swapping. And um, I'm like, ooh, if I had it up yonder and up yonder and up yonder, that would be great. Yeah. And one thing, I, I, this is directed probably out to everybody, though, is, is why, why do they keep putting in so many DVD drive bays. <laughs> do, many, do people have that many drive bays that they use for that? I, I know I don't personally. I maybe use two at the most. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I wonder the same thing. And well, that, I, I think that all really depends on who you are and what you do. Because I mean, I, I've had a few times where I've used all five, and then I've had time, 90% of the time, I'm, I'm only using one drive. But I mean, yeah. you got some of the, the bay cooler devices and your card readers and whatnot, and it, it doesn't really take too much to fill them up. No. We, um, j- just to throw in a little tidbit here, we're already looking ahead to potential accessories to expand with this case. And if, like, let's just suppose that you had your Ice T30, that would use up a bay. Then you've got at least one optical drive, that would use up a bay. So in our case, with uh, four of the uh, five and a quarter bays, you've already used half of them there. So, you know, if you do throw a fan controller in, or um, you know, maybe some other accessories we're looking at later down the line, you know, you've, you're going to quickly use up three at least hard drive bays. There, or, I'm sorry, five and a quarter bays quickly. So, you know, there's a um, I think some of them do go overboard with it. I, I think four is a pretty good number for us. You know, you never can tell. A year down the line, we may say, hey, we need five or, hey, we need three. We'll just, you know, monitor our customer feedback and go accordingly. Well, one other thing I like about the case so is you're, that you're showing five on it, Mike. Yeah, yeah. I just counted wrong, too. I was, I was looking at that <laughs> as I said that. I, my, my eyes saw five and I, my mouth said four. But um. <laughs> One other thing I like about the case is the fact that you've put the uh, header panel with the audio ports and all that back to the front. I have gotten so burnt out of them being on top of the case. Yeah, yeah, or down towards the bottom on the bottom. Well, I some like people, this, if you put it, I like some people have them on the floor, and so you got to reach all the way down the floor to plug in the stuff. Right. Yeah, I, I like the simple fact that they're covered up, because <laughs> I hate yes. panel ports. I, I don't care what case it is, that's the first thing it gets next. <laughs> But it is the ease of having it up towards the top because even if you have it on your case, sitting on on a desk like I do, or if you have it on the floor, it's easy to grab there. Right. But I've I've had a couple of cases where those ports have had been at the bottom, and if you do put it on the floor, man, you got to be leaning over in your chair, and it's just not good news. But no, definitely, definitely like that, and it's hidden. There's it's um better. right behind that over the uh, top of the case, you know, we've got room for a uh, up to a uh, three bay. Um, you can either put fans or a three-bay radiator in there or anything three bays or smaller. So that would prohibit putting it up there anyway, which, you know, moving it back to the front has, you know, multiple reasons to make it good in our opinion. I would I would have to question our product manager, you know, to ask the exact thought process, like, hey, did we want it on the front or was it necessitated by the design to be on the front? But either way, I, I think it works out to a positive, whether it was uh, – Intentional or accidental, and of course, to uh, make us look like the geniuses that I hope we are, I'm going to claim it was intentional. But um, <laughs> well, I, I look at it like this. Like... I look at it like this. You know, we're spending money to buy a nice case, okay? Um, and then if we, you know, customize it any at all, I don't want it sitting under my desk. My case sits <laughs> on my desk beside me, okay? So I've got to either get up. Or reach up and feel around at the top of a two-foot case <laughs> to find the on-off button or a port, you know. And I'm like, yeah, I like it on the front. I just that's just all there is to it. 
Well, the, Absolutely. the kind of uh, the kind of cases you guys build with your mods and all, it'd be a shame to hide that under a desk anyway. So I mean, that that makes perfect sense there. Yeah, yeah but even with a, just a, like 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 the new case you guys are coming out with, um, I don't think anybody would want to hide that case. No, well, I hope not. It's a it's a really nice looking case. I um I'm not sure if uh, anyone has picked up on the uh, I'll call it dialect instead of accent, but uh, geographically, uh, Vic and I are pretty close together. So um we're gonna meet up here soon. I'm gonna let him get some uh, sneak pictures of this thing and get them out on your site there. Hurry up, Vic! Hurry up! Um, <laughs> uh, I wanted to face a little bit on the cooling side of it. Okay. What's your uh, what's the capabilities in the stock form as far as fan mounts and whatnot? Um, I had a conversation with our uh, product manager right before this, just to uh, bone up on um, you know some of the specifics. It comes with three 140 millimeter fans already mounted. Um, one's right above the graphics cards and right behind the CPU where you would expect it to be. One is on the uh, side of the uh, hard drive cages, and it can be run with or without a cover that goes over it if you don't want that showing. And there's another that's in a uh, bottom bay, um, in the center of the power. Uh, I'm sorry, in the center of the case, directly in front of the power supply mount to pull cool in, cool air in from the bottom of the case and direct it upward through the case. Okay. Oh yeah, I see that. I, I can see that on, now, the, on the website. The uh, you mentioned being able to mount a a uh, three fan radiator. You've got yes. uh, three three fan mounts up on the top of the case. Yes. Okay. Cool. Um, one thing that really has me wondering is is your hard drive fans. I, I see it's got one shown in the picture, and then you've also got a spot there for another one right below it for the other hard drive cage. Yes. Where are you drawing your your fresh air for those from? There's inlets on the uh, front of the case and the back of the case. There, um, we've got a uh, we've got um, grills or mesh all over the place in there. Okay. And okay. Um, it's pulling it in fresh from the bottom and directing it upwards. We want all of that heat to, to go up through the case and out the top as opposed to being exhausted into the uh, primary, um, you know, chamber where the uh, um, right. motherboard goes. Yeah, I didn't see any shots showing the full shot of the bottom or the back of it, so I wasn't sure where you're, whether you was pulling in a little from behind the front panel cover or whether it was coming in from the bottom. But, uh, um, the construction of the case, is it, all aluminum or aluminum steel? or It's an aluminum steel mix. The uh, the actual body of the entire case is steel. The uh, front panel and all is a brushed aluminum. We um, we debated, you know, on uh, weight versus strength and durability, and we, we leaned towards the side of uh, having a very solid steel case that isn't too heavy. I mean, there's not a lot of excess steel in there. Right. But, um, you know, and, and I've got some smaller cases here that are actually heavier than this thing. But um, we definitely lean towards, you know, wanting a nice, solid feel. I mean, you know, if you buy a case in this price range, you want to feel like you actually bought something, you know. And, um, the uh, you know, it's just got a really, really nice, solid feel to it. Now, you said it's aluminum, so I'm guessing that it's probably an anodized finished, right? Yes. Yeah, because it looks like it's a really kind of a really matte black, I want to say. Is that correct? Uh, really uh, like a flat finish. The um, the rest of the case, other than the aluminum part, has a very similar look and feel that our um, power supplies have. I'm not if you've ever handled a Corsair power supply, it's almost yeah. the exact same look and feel there. It may be the same process. I'm not clear on that, but um, it looks almost exactly the same. Very flat black, you know, very subdued, and the uh, the front panel is brushed aluminum. And it's a, it's only a semi-gloss type uh, coating on the front. It's not really you know super high gloss you know reflect the sun in your eyes kind of coating there to you know to blend more with the rest of the case. I also noticed that uh, you guys you guys went one step further than what most do when it comes to the power supply intake. Looking at the picture, you got a pretty good uh, from from the back of the case up to the front of the mount. You've already accommodated space for the large 1,200 watt units. But you've also oh, yeah. got that fanned all the way up, so it, it's regardless of where your fan's mounted on the exactly. house. There's also a, a removable uh, filter. Um, the filter actually slides out to the rear on the model that I have. I don't know if it's going to slide out exactly the same way on the final model, but um, it's about, um, I guess it's about 18 inches long. That's just an estimate, but it's, it covers that entire vented area anywhere that a power supply would be. There's right. a filter that's going to filter that air pulling in because, um, you know, you don't want to be pulling a dirty cool air into your system, you want to pull clean cool air into your system. Yeah. There's another extra added feature was the removable plate behind the motherboard so you can get to the mounting hardware for CPU coolers. Now, you know, it's interesting that you bring that up. Um, 
in talking to our product manager today, that's probably the last hurdle we have um, before the the final product you know goes into production before they hit the uh, the print button and you know start uh, stamping these things out and we put them in boxes and get them out into the world. Um, the initial design, the the hole was in just a little bit of a um, incorrect place to accommodate certain motherboards and certain um, uh, form factors. The uh, Core i7 and the newer AM2 Plus and AM3 boards, we had to expand the hole just a little bit to accommodate them. It's in the exact place it needs to be for uh, anything prior to that, you know, uh, socket uh, 775 stuff, Core 2 stuff, but um, and the older AMD stuff. But uh, we had to uh, make just a little bit of a change there, and that's one of the last major changes we're making. So these things will be getting out, you know, into retail very soon. That impresses me that you've actually caught that because there's been a couple of times where I've caught them with a case and it just that issue and it sucks. <laughs> Glad that you guys took the time and, and probably found it through your R and D. It's like, hey, you know what? This doesn't fit just right. And now you're going to make that adjustment. I mean that's that's a big step. Well, you know, we could have went ahead and sold it and gambled, you know, and hoped that, you know, the right people with the right motherboard bought the right revision and all that. But we didn't want to start out a new product in a very new product line for us. The very first splash into the pool here with something that isn't as perfect as we can get it. So, you know, it added a little time to us getting it out to market, but, um, you know, we're not doing a fly-by-night thing here. We're very serious about this, so we wanted this first one to be as perfect as we could get it. So that, that's why it's going through, you know, another couple of changes before we actually put them out into the world. Right. Now, will it accept extended ATX? Yes, it's it's huge. <laughs> this, this thing's a monster. Now, another thing that, that a lot of people I haven't seen mention yet, if you flip around and look at the back of that chassis, it's unique in a way. It's actually one of the one of the first ones I've seen do it. Along the left hand side of the chassis, Corsair's got the slot or the, the little spot where your motherboard tray rides. They've got that entire lip vented to allow airflow to, to get in behind there. Yes. And that's I mean we've seen them you know we've seen them throw a, you know, a couple of them throw fans on them and put a put a vent out the side of the left panel. But that's the first one I've seen go through with vents all the way down the side like that. What's the expected uh, price going to be for this, Mike? Um, everything I'm seeing so far, and this is as unofficial as it can get, but um, everything I've seen so far in print is um, in the neighborhood of 299 U.S. That's not bad. So probably going to see it a little less right after launch or somewhere, or depending upon the manufacturers or the uh, retailers, I should say. Probably going to be 270, 260, or whatever. Um, as a consumer, I would hope so, but I really don't have the information to even make an educated guess there. You never know how these things are going to go. Um, it, of course, it'll ultimately, you know, boil down to our manufacturing price, and you know, it'll scale from there. Of course, so. Right. Right. Okay. So I got two last questions. We're going to try and wrap it up here real quick. Um, my my last two questions are: When do you think availability might be for this? Um, the the best single word answer I can give you is soon. Um, I don't know how long those uh, those last little changes we're uh, talking about are actually going to take, and then once you know we get to that point, we have to uh, you know kick off the product and actually have them manufactured, then have them packaged, and then have them shipped, and then have them distributed. So I, I wouldn't want to mislead your uh, your listeners out there and give any type of date other than soon. Again, soon is the best answer I can give you. So again, you know it's. They they may package them tomorrow. They may they you know I, I have no way of making a better guess than what I have. So, well, I say don't rush it. Yeah, take your time. Make sure it's done right. And the second part of my question was, when are we going to be able to get one? You're going to put Mars <laughs> Links on the on the review list, right? I thought uh, all three of us, you know, was doing the interview were, were scheduled to get one. Well, yeah, that's what it said right here. Look at that and memory. <laughs> <laughs> wow, look at the time. Yeah, you hear that, Mike? They're, they're just coming at you full force, aren't they? Yeah, I've got, uh, I've got some calls coming in. Uh, <laughs> no, I, um, I I really like the work you guys do, and I've seen some of Vic's work firsthand. And um, oh, don't judge us all by that. Well, <laughs> in spite of that, I uh, no, I, seriously, I, I definitely want to get a um, a case into you guys uh, as soon as possible. I've already talked to the product manager. Actually, before we ever even announced publicly that we were making cases, after seeing um, Hog Wild last year, I um, I sent an email over to our product managers. I said, hey, when the Time's right. Just keep me in mind because I want to get a case over to this guy. So, yeah, absolutely. But um, they can give us give they can give us all the up close and detailed stuff, and hopefully you can know. get his butt over there to you now. Yeah, Dwayne, yeah. I might have to pull rank. <laughs> <laughs> rank, um, yeah, it might smell. Well, Mike, we'd really like to appreciate you. You took the time 
with us today and, and going through those couple of your new products. Uh, what I'd like to ask of you and maybe of our listeners or anybody else is, um, would you be willing to come back if, if they have questions for you about products and that you would answer them? Absolutely. The um, one thing my boss talked about whenever um, you know I asked him about doing this podcast was he said, you know, if it fits in, talk about what you actually do at Corsair. And I was like, well, that won't take but, you know, 30 <laughs> seconds or so. But, um, no, all kidding aside, I... Uh, one of my primary missions is to go out into the world over, you know, I, I probably surf uh, 25 different computer forums on any given day. And when our customers need help, if they haven't found our website or if they don't want to come to our website, I go to them. And, um, you know, I try to be as proactive as I can in identifying trends or problems or, you know, uh, and positive stuff too, of course. You know, when customers are saying, hey, we want this, hey, we want this. You know, Corsair needs to be the one to build it because we want to offer the absolute best products we can to enthusiasts. So, you know, I'm on both sides of that fence. I try to identify needs and things that our customers want on the front end. But then I'm also, you know, in a uh, tech support and customer service type role too. When when something doesn't go exactly as planned or someone needs help with an RMA or if they need pre-sales questions or if they have tech support questions after the fact, you know, I, I put on whatever hat I need to put on, and I, I, I go help them as soon as possible. And I encourage people to contact me when they need help. So, you know, it's kind of a, it's kind of our company philosophy. They they use me to solve problems as, as opposed to finding a customer and, you know, just simply getting them satisfied. If there's a bigger problem there, we identify it and we go fix it. You know, we we we're trying to improve every single day, and. Um, yeah, that, that's uh that's an aspect of what I try to do every single day is to try to find a way to help our customers and improve our company every day. So yeah, in, in answer to your question that started my uh, ramble there, um, yes, I'd be more than happy to come back on and um, you know I'll try to uh, also increase my presence at you guys' forums. I'll, I'll make it 26 forums a day. So yeah, and, and, and for the guys that for the guys that don't know Mike, like Mike said early when he first came in. He goes by the name of Yellowbeard, and if if you got any questions for him, definitely don't don't hesitate to contact him. But you know, do it in a public manner. That way, everybody can kind of get a little you know insight on the the issue. Don't just go flooding with PMs and whatnot. Yeah, <laughs> it it helps everybody when when you ask a question, you know, publicly in the forum. It you know the answer and the question itself helps everybody because you may not be the only one that needs an answer to that question. Exactly. Absolutely right, and I mean we all do searches for problems that we need uh, help with, and a lot of times you find them in the forums. I know I do. Um, yeah, Mike, we'd love to have you, you know, cruise our forums uh, more, and I'm sure there's people out there that would uh, just just love to have just somebody with your experience, basically. Um, just if they had a question about the memory, or I know you're a specialist in Corsair, but I'm sure that you'd probably help out in general questions on just memory. I, I do it every day. Um, I was an enthusiast long before I was a, a Corsair customer, and I mean, I, it's I kind of feel guilty. Like if I just browse by somebody's post and you know they've got another brand of product or something, and it's hey, you know, what's the answer to this question? You know, if if it's not um, inappropriate for me to enter that thread, you know, I go in, I say, hey, you know, th- this is your answer, and and just leave it at that, you know, and. It's like I said, I was an enthusiast long before um, I got this job, and I can't name you how many, probably dozens, if not hundreds, of people helped me out. You know, whenever I was cutting my teeth and learning what I know now, so you know, it would be inappropriate not to contribute back to the enthusiast community as a whole, regardless of you know my current employment. So yeah, I, I yeah, do that every yeah. day. Well, deep down, you're just an enthusiast who are trying to help out another enthusiast, is what it is. Exactly. If they become Corsair customers down the line, then that's all great too. You know. So, oh, uh, absolutely. <laughs> you know, it's uh, it is what it is. Well, if you get a chance, send an email to podcast at modersinc.com for questions to Mike, or you can go over into our forums and post up a questionnaire, and we'll see if we can get Mike to answer that for you. Okay. Well, we're going to wrap it up here. Um, do like we normally do. You guys can come over to Modders Inc. Check out our website, please. Uh, we have all our RSS feeds. You can get the links to the podcast and see what our older podcasts were. And hope you hopefully check out those if this is your first one. You can look us up on uh, Twitter. It's uh, Twitter Modders Inc. I've got my Twitter page. It's American Freak on Twitter. We've got our Facebook page, and some of the other guys got their stuff that they'd like to pimp out there. Hey, you can yeah. catch me on on Facebook at mi.taz, or you can find me on johnnyguru.com. Yeah, and as far as I go, it's Excalibur FX, man. I mean, I'm I'm there. I'm I'm on Twitter. Of course, I don't tweet much, and I don't have any followers. But anyway, I'm on Twitter, and you know, I do have Facebook. So just Excalibur FX. Well, let's see if we can get your Twitter followers up there. See if we can do that or not. 
And Mike, um, besides Corsair, which is your main probably hangout, do you have any other places you like to uh, hang out at? Want to mention? Whenever I'm looking for the uh, the super uh, the top end overclocking results, the place that I see people congregating the most common is um, Extreme Systems. It's uh, extremesystems.org. And um, you know, if you want to see what's happening with the guys pouring the liquid nitrogen or using um, you know various forms of uh, tech cooling or phase change cooling or um, outrageous things like that. They've got it all over there. So not to direct uh, traffic away from uh, Modern Inc., of course, or from Johnny Guru. You know, it's just a, yet another place to uh, see what's going on in the uh, high-end enthusiast computing world. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're all enthusiasts in our own, you know, genres, if you will. You know, Modern Inc., we normally deal with case modding. Johnny Guru, we try to stand around the, uh, the power supply side of it. So, you know, putting names out there and, and going to other sites is not something we frown on, you know. The more info, the better. Oh, exactly. I'm sure one thing that uh, you guys have noticed, there's a, there's a core group of people that span all of those forums. I, oh, I yeah. see you guys in other forums, too. I see those names that I recognize, especially some of your crew from Johnny Guru. I've learned a lot from those guys, so it's a uh, that's a, one of my favorite places to go. It's, it's now been, become one of my two favorites. <laughs> well, Vic, you know what to do, man. Modding. Ain't it cool?